I mean, you're already looking at a plant that ultimately leaves the ground it was planted in better than, than it found it. So we're reversing environmental damage. Asheville really embraced community and I saw it as a town of craft. Cannabis at a very young age allowed me to really like free my creativity and focus in. And I was just so fired up about what I wanted to do in the world. Welcome to another amazing episode of Weed Buds Radio. I thank you all so much for joining us today. I've been spending a lot of time lately thinking about what am I going to get everybody for the holidays? There's so many great ideas out there. And obviously, as as most of us are kind of locked up in our homes during the pandemic, shopping looks a little bit different uh, than it has in years past, although most of us are accustomed to shopping digitally now, but going through some of the different items, especially here in the cannabis industry, we were so fortunate to have our good friend Mike Major from Green Lane Communication tell me, I know the perfect gift for the holidays and I know the perfect person to bring it to us. And so he introduced me to Tag, the owner of Asheville Craft Cannabis, and he is with me here today to introduce himself and some of the amazing work that he's doing. Tag, welcome to Weed Buds Radio. Oh, well, hey, Ryan, thanks for having us. This is great. Well, it's so exciting to have you. And I know that you have an extensive background in agriculture, architecture, and just regenerative, good for the earth activities. I would love for you to kind of share some of that background with us today. Yeah, well, you know, I uh, I was fortunate enough to grow up on a uh, uh, a couple hundred acres of hardwood just outside of Athens, Georgia. And um, it was kind of older growth hardwood, really vibrant forest. And uh, my mother and my father, my mom was a uh, stay at home, but uh, educated as a teacher. Uh, but she was a stay at home mom and way ahead of her time then, all organic gardening. It was kind of a, a homesteading environment, you know, a deep connection with nature and the land. My dad was a uh, vet professor, falconer, and wildlife rehabilitator. So we grew up caring for a lot of wild and exotic animals on the property and just really being close to the natural processes. Um, and that, that early on just kind of set, uh, you know, I, really holding value there in those natural processes. So then watching the human world and, you know, where maybe some of those interactions are being missed today and things are a little out of balance, you know. And, and really knew that I just wanted to do stuff that healed both the people and the natural environment. And, and, and to do that, it seemed like reconnecting that, you know, it just seemed like so much of humanity was living outside of the natural world or just even unaware of it, you know? And I think with the pandemic, really it's made us so much more aware of our impact here on the world, yeah. but also the consequences of that impact. And that's something that you clearly learned early on. Yeah, no, I think that's so true. There's always a silver lining, you know, and, and one thing that I've seen with, with the pandemic is it's given us an opportunity to kind of get back to the basics in life. And, you know, we get cooped up at home and we're kind of, you know, disconnected from the hustle and bustle. And, and so maybe we start like appreciating you know, just our own backyard or our family or, you know, just it puts a puts things into perspective a little bit. And so I think it's giving us all an opportunity to kind of reconnect and, and rethink about what is important, you know. Absolutely. Well, there are 
you know, so many amazing hemp farmers here in the U.S. and abroad. You know, we're so lucky to, you know, be in a world where we're starting to finally really appreciate this plant. However, I've noticed that every farmer has a unique process to the mm-hmm. way that they grow their crop. And I know that you're no exception. You are, you're very much about uh, the regenerative farming practices. And so I'd love for you to kind of introduce what that means, you know, for some of the audience members that may not be familiar with growing practices. Yeah. So we, you know, for me, and I I think a theme in my life that I've come to really embrace is that it is truly the journey, not the destination. And, you know, as an early cultivator, it's always like, you know, you want, you want the frostiest, stickiest, tightest, trimmed, hardest, most terp explosion bud and that can be achieved in a lot of ways but then ultimately it's kind of like well what's in the like soul of the plant like the the how did the cultivation of this affect the people that had their hands on it all the way down the line all the inputs and ingredients that were uh and resources that were gathered were those gathered in a sustainable fashion and, and you know and we can talk about sustainable and then we can talk about regenerative and honestly where we are you know environmentally right now we need to be talking regenerative so regenerative is like i'm going to in my processes actually offset the the deficit that we have environmentally right now so it's not just you know leave no footprint it's actually go back and erase some footprints you know what i'm saying and so that's something that i think you know i think in the end you know and yeah it's neon it's green it's frosty but like like what values are behind it uh how how were the people who were part of it how did they enjoy that work you know what was their quality of life and and so i think a a lot of that are are values we need to be looking at you know behind just the curb appeal you know because you can great grow some great and nothing against it but you know edta chelated chemical nutrients hydro you can get a great looking product you know but what what are what is that doing environmentally you know and how deep of a connection to all the people in creation and receiving have with that product you know every single input and every action on these plants we're never thinking again if the destination is making money and being a successful business that's not where we're at we're we're in the journey and that can be a struggle sometimes you know because we're like i'm not going to compromise quality of existence or the quality of the journey for money anywhere down the line you know but but in the end i think that creates a more valuable product and a more valuable experience so every single input we put into the plants and every touch that goes into them we're like how does this affect the people doing it the people receiving it the planet and the footprint we're leaving behind um so i i hope that kind of kind of gets gets you where we're going Absolutely. And I never really thought about the differences between sustainable practices and regenerative practices. And and I really do see that difference of sustainable is obviously really kind of about efficiency, where regenerative mm-hmm. is... You know, we're going to try to remove that footprint when we're done harvesting whatever this kind of uh, creation is. Right, right. And, and, you know, sustainable, I mean, sustainable ag is is great because that means we're not leaving behind damage, right? We're cleaning up after ourselves. And, and, but regenerative is like cleaning up past messes at the same time, you know, and there's no greater crop to do that. I mean, you know, with CO2 sequestration, soil remediation, I mean, you're already looking at a plant that ultimately leaves the, 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 
the ground it was planted in better than than it found it for the most part you know and so um and then of all the plants out there every single part of it has a use you know so to me it's kind of a poster child for regenerative agriculture absolutely and i know that you're in Asheville now but i you know thinking about you tag and just your journey what uh, what brought you either kind of back to Asheville or what made Asheville like the the place for you to kind of create this this amazing business right well um you know i so born and raised in Athens Georgia so Asheville's you know 3 hours out so Asheville was kind of as a kid like it was the the fun little vacation mountain escape you know and just a di- different type of terrain and environment to go explore you know and uh i left i left home really young you know i i did well in school but i troubled focusing um i had a lot of social anxieties um i was kind of the weird kid that like talked to animals and plants all day and then didn't know how to handle myself at school um and i was just so fired up about what i wanted to do in the world i didn't want to learn anymore it's like yeah i could apply myself and ace it all but it's like i want to go do i want to create you know and so i actually took off uh, right before my 15th birthday on my own like greyhound bus headed out heard about these earth ships like completely off grid passive solar homes built out of recycled materials and uh took off to new Mas- new mexico you know total like all the stuff I would read as a kid and it was all out west and and the music I was into at the time and everything and so I I headed out on my journey and I found earthships and found cannabis right away and um you know cannabis has always really helped me um with those anxieties and it's helped me I'm very like I mean maybe it's almost like ADHD or something like I want to do a million things at once and my brain never quiets and cannabis at a very young age allowed me to really like free my creativity and focus in on on you know my real passions and so you know I got involved pretty early on then and it was sustainable I'm like how can I help the planet well okay housing you know like housing that costs less than conventional housing but actually uses so again that's regenerative because it's taking trash and turning it into these gorgeous houses rather than cutting down more trees right so we're actually we're not we're it, it's not sustainable and that we're not you know taking some trees and planting some trees we're not taking any trees and then we're taking the trash out of the landfill so we're reversing environmental damage you know so that's again regenerative and so it was that and and cannabis and out west i was able I, I you know i cultivated for a very long time large scale out there indoor outdoor all over the place then cannabis kind of took on a new meaning for me. I got involved with the Native American church and started learning a lot about uh, native uses of plants and specifically sitting in ceremony um, and kind of helped reintegrate. You know, that was a time when um, tribal governments were standing up for their federal right to use substances that were illegal in other places. Um, And so I was working with them a lot, learning their ceremonies and helping them integrate modern cannabis cultivation back into you know back into ceremony that they had been afraid to touch for a while and that was a very beautiful thing and so just saw a a much deeper level and appreciation for the plant and then was lucky enough and i can't really mention names here to work with a large group of doctors some of which are uh you know on the forefront right now uh you know uh even outside of this country and some that were literally putting it all on the line at the time to do private in-house treatment. We were doing very extensive cannabinoid research and had a lot of assets, you know, and this was again, pretty, you know, an underground situation. But these were doctors that were like putting their licenses on the line to understand the, the value. And so 
stuff like CBD, CBG was stuff that, you know, in 2004, we were working with these cannabinoids and it was like, and now to see that so widely accepted and understood. So it gave me a, a kind of early preview of the potential of this plant, you know, other than the conventional applications, you know. Amazing. That's that's amazing story, Tank. Like, I think of my journey, right, and kind of re- rebelling a little bit when I left college to go explore right. my passions. But here you are at 15 with that epiphany already, you know, of I've done this. Like, I want to go do this. And especially in the types of careers, I think that you and I you know, first really got excited about it. Mine was a little bit different. Mine was in film, but same type of thing. It's like, I, I know what I want to do. And here is this opportunity. I, I got to take it while it's right here. Yeah. And for you to kind of have that foresight of, I, I, I know that this is what I want to learn next. And this might not be the place to teach me those skills. Yeah. Uh, to, to just own that at 15? I mean, what that had to have felt overwhelming to a point, or was it almost more overwhelming, kind of forcing yourself into a bucket that you might not have felt you belonged in? Yeah, well, I mean, it was like I really just didn't have a choice. It was just like I couldn't couldn't contain my my just drive to chase my passions. And that's I, I just, you know, not everybody learns the same way. And for me, I learn by doing, you know, and, and I have a confidence in that. I'm like, there's pretty if I really want to do something, I'm really passionate about it. I will research it, educate myself on it and just go get it. And it's like, I can't help it, you know? And so, so a lot of it was just my natural spirit. I was just like, there was no way around it. Um, and you know, not that that didn't come with many pitfalls. I mean, I, you know, I've been self-employed since I left home and, and you know, one way or another, and it's, it's not always been easy, but I can say that every day I wake up my grandfather told me that when I was young, he's like, you need to figure out what it is that you're just absolutely passionate about in life. And that the first thing you think of when you wake up in the morning, then you need to figure out how to make money doing it, you know, and that and that that just always stuck with me, you know. I love that. I think uh, my well, I don't think my grandparents have all four of them. I was really fortunate growing up to to have four grandparents, and yeah. uh, you know, all four of them I feel like have this infinite wisdom, you know, mm-hmm. and, yeah. you know, yeah. very similarly, my, my grandparents, I felt like, you know, they kind of, you know, preached that to, to my parents' generation as well, and mm-hmm. I feel like every generation, right, they're always trying to get the, yeah. the next, just like, do, you know, we worked our butts off, so you right. could go do X, and here you yeah. are, you're yeah. doing it, and now Asheville Craft Cannabis is clearly the collection of all of this passion, all of this knowledge, and uh, mm-hmm. Tell us about some of the products that you're really excited about, and and how can we find some of these products? Yeah, well, you know, I and I probably should just re-answer that, or I, I don't think I addressed your one question, which is how do we end up in Asheville? And you know, I, and I, I just want to put this in for the industry. I, you know, I, I spoke at Kushcon 2009, so that would have been like Eagle County Zero, you know, Ground Zero when everything went med, and. I just felt like the industry was was shifting towards it was so money hungry and it was so flashy and it wasn't necessarily about the quality and it was about you know and and that's where but I was so excited at the time to see this used as I was seeing all the potentials of the plant to heal right and so Asheville when I came to Asheville hemp was going legal right 
um, right when I moved here. And I actually came here to deal. So I kind of I kind of fell out of the industry a little bit, Colorado, New Mexico. Um, I'd been a single dad since my boys were little and I was working. I had was operating two nonprofits and multiple large scale cannabis grows um, and still homesteading, you know, with the kids way out in the middle of nowhere. And it was just too much. So I came home to be with family. But then in Athens, I ended up missing the mountains, you know, and just the that mountain lifestyle, which I had always had. And so I started, you know, coming to see friends in Asheville. And then eventually the boys and I decided to move like, okay, grandma, you know, the family's right there three hours away and we're going to move to Asheville. And it was kind of that East coast Rockies like, Oh, this feels like home again. And I actually came to Asheville with some gallery contracts uh, for my studio wood turning. So I do some uh, very interesting, uh, meticulous geometrical wood turning and some furniture and i had uh made a couple deals with some galleries up here and i was going to just sit cannabis out for a little bit and uh found this amazing piece of property uh where uh, another good friend of mine had a shop already and it was it's a it's there's almost two hundred thousand square feet of greenhouse built over the 60s and the 70s and it was all poinsettia and easter lily it was like the largest poinsettia easter lily producer in the in on the east coast and this thing had just sat this whole compound had sat derelict for like fit the last 15 years there's like trees growing through it was like this mad max zombie apocalypse like talk about insurance but broken glass and rusty metal everywhere um but uh my to become partner michael platt who owned the property had picked it up at a steal and i think a lot of people would have bulldozed it and he had this amazing vision to turn it into a regenerative and small business incubator so focusing on ag so he slowly started kind of fixing each building up rather than bulldozing it it's it's you know reusing it so it, it became it became adaptive reuse of a, of a derelict structure and uh he had some shop spaces and i ended up setting my wood studio up and by the time i got my shop like polished dialed and ready to go into production i had talked with michael enough and explored this place and at the same time the year before the farm bill had gone through so now hemp cultivation was legal in Asheville. And I started feeling the Asheville community and it was like, oh my gosh, I feel like this was, this is Boulder right where I was 15 years ago, same feel, but there's an even deeper sense of appreciation. And that's saying a lot, you know, cause uh, out West, I mean, you live, you live in Boulder, you love the outdoors, but I felt like Asheville really embraced community and I saw it as a town of craft and that's what it is. It's like Asheville is there is not a product that you need in your life that you can't find locally made with a story behind it here in Asheville somewhere. And people travel here from all over to decorate their house and buy their art and, you know, the, the culinary experience. And it's it, it, this is a town of true, like, makers and farm to table and, and that appreciation for the natural world. So I'm like, wait a minute. It's all starting. This is this is Boulder all over again. This is going to be the East Coast cannabis. Like, this is where cannabis is going to epicenter from right here, you know, for the Southeast. And so very quickly, I got out of my gallery contracts and I said, Michael, you know, because he had been, you know, I'm like, you want to like renovate this whole thing overnight and let's, here's the business to reclaim this property. And so we partnered up along with uh, my two lifelong best friends, uh, Mike and Victor. And uh, that's basically the owners of Asheville Craft Cannabis. And that was uh, two and a half years ago that we started talking about it, two years ago that we broke ground and started construction. And uh, we're rocking and rolling. Um, yeah that's incredible and now through your products you found a way to really kind of bridge your passions of woodworking and cannabis yeah it's really crazy it's like i feel like you know all of us were such a dream team 
and we all have these very unique experiences and i feel like all of our lifelong collective passions and experiences we've as a group of best friends which is rare too it's like i mean my business partners are my family and and it's and which is just an amazing experience to be able to make it a true labor of passion and love you know and everybody has their unique ability and it all fits together it's like you know it's it's a beautiful thing that's as good as it gets, right? It's, I mean, yeah. it's so hard to find business partners. And they say, don't go into business with family, but sometimes, you know, those are the yeah. people that you can trust. And then ultimately at the end of the day, you know, one thing that my grandfather told told me when I was little is you absolutely get to pick your family. You know, like there yeah. are people that are not blood that are, yeah. that are your family. And so that's yeah. really, really incredible. And before we wrap up, I want to talk about, and of course, we're going to put some amazing links in our show notes. So be sure to head over to weedbudsradio.com. Check out the show notes uh, where Tag and I are going to put up some links to what I think is probably going to be the coolest gift this holiday season. They are flights of of tags and Asheville Craft Cannabis's product. Can you tell us a little about these flights in particular? I've never seen anything so beautiful. Yeah, I'd love to. You know, when we, when we, as we started actually launching the brand a little over a year ago, because at first it was all, you know, setting up the facilities and everything else, we, we, we kind of wanted to showcase our products. And of course, I had this fully equipped wood shop. And I'm like, well, now what am I going to do with that now that I switched businesses? And I'm like, let's make these beautiful displays for all of our products. So our retailers get these live edge sustained. So I actually have stories behind every tree, all sustainably harvested by another company that we incubate in in the same complex that does uh that does sustainable tree removal and they recycle all the wood you know and so a lot of these are like ancient trees from historic downtown Asheville and we mill them all up and made make great displays for our retail customers and then we had the idea like you know this is craft town this is craft beer oh sampling flights you know and so we're like let's make these really beautiful live edge cherry wood displays that hold your four two ounce two gram jars showcasing our highest quality from greenhouse to indoor um and we put that on a nice little uh uh flight flight board and you've got a little uh recess where you can put your lighter your pipe uh break your herb up um and it really gives uh people a way to sample our best products um and and we sell refills for this as well so and i think it's a great way to kind of introduce like the full gamut of what we have to offer that's amazing and as i mentioned we're going to have uh, links to all of these products on the show notes of our website and for those of you looking for the the ultimate gift i mean you get a just this beautiful piece of hand carved wood with beautiful displays of different types of of hemp products and so we'll we'll have that available but tag what is the the website or the best place for our audience to go and check out some of these works um you can check us out at ashevillecraftcannabis.com or an even shorter version is avlcraft.com amazing and tay thank you so much for joining us on weed buds radio to talk about your journey and these amazing products that you have at Asheville craft cannabis well it's been an absolute pleasure right thank you so much 
And for all of you joining us at home, we always appreciate it. Again, WeedBudsRadio.com. Head over to the show notes and all of the information on how to connect with us and our guest will be there and available. And we look forward to seeing you on the next episode of Weed Buds Radio. <laughs>